You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Thank you so much for that. Let's take our Bibles this morning, 2 Timothy chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter number 1, and I love that song. Thank you for singing that. 2 Timothy chapter number 1 in your Bibles this morning, and I'm excited to, to be, it feels like I've been gone for weeks, but uh, I left on Tuesday and uh, flew out, me and my son Titus, and we had the opportunity to speak at a teen camp in Illinois, and uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday morning got up and traveled back, and, and uh, I think my schedule's been kind of mixed up for a while since I've been gone, but uh, I, am, I had, and if you tried to text me, and if you said, Pastor, praying for you, anything like that, I had zero reception, so I didn't hardly get anything there, but uh, it feels like I haven't seen you in forever, but for you, it's probably too soon. You're like, it's been too soon, Pastor, you need to go longer next time. But I'm just glad to be here today, and I love being in our church. I don't particularly love summertime. I have a love-hate relationship with summer. I don't like summer because a lot of people go on vacation, and, you know, during the summertime, I'm like, you know, I, I like people uh, to be in church, of course, but uh, then, then summer is just great also because we're not in school, right, teenagers? So, oh, you, you like school in the, su- in the summer? We can do that. We can make it happen. If our teens really want school in the summer, we could do that. But, uh, hey, I hope that you'll be here tonight. Um, and stick around after the service for the fellowship. Uh, it says in the it always makes me feel awkward on the on the uh, uh, bulletin that it says bring a card for you don't need to bring anything for pastor. Okay, just bring yourself. Just be here tonight. Play some volleyball or basketball. Sit around a fellowship. Enjoy some free Filipino food, which will be delicious. And uh, and you'll and if you've never had pancit or lumpia or things like that, we're doing mango float. Is this happening? I just need to know. Where's Miss Cherry? Is she here? No mango float? Never mind, don't come tonight. It ain't worth it. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, it'll be great. You'll enjoy it. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. And the evening service, it's usually a quick evening service. We don't normally take forever and then we get out there and fellowship. And it's nice because the sun will be out and all that for a while. But all right, let's get into our Bible here. Second Timothy chapter number one. And uh, you, you know, oftentimes, I've been in church a long time. And, and sometimes on July 4th or days like this, I've heard a lot of just heavy messages about how you know, America's falling apart and, and uh, you know, all these type of things. And, and I know that there are some, I know that, that, that uh, certainly our country needs prayer and needs Christians and needs church more than ever. But I want to uh, uh, not just give you a problem you can't solve today. I want to speak on a specific topic. Now, there is one thing about July 4th that drives me crazy. It may be the same thing that drives you crazy. Hey, don't preach my message, Diane. (laughs) But I would tell you, fireworks out of nowhere, randomly, in the middle of the day, in the middle of the night, in November, drives me crazy. I hate to be scared. Like if you think, I'm going to get past you, I'm going to scare him. I will hate you for life. All right, no, I'm kidding, I won't. But uh, I, I hate to be scared. And I'm a super big hypocrite on that because I love to scare people. But anyway, and so I'll be sitting nice and relaxed, you know, about to lay down and go to bed, and I just hear boom, and I'm, ah, <laughs> you know, so. But uh, I want to talk this morning, I want to preach to you about spiritual fireworks. 
spiritual fireworks. And the thought here is how to keep the fire burning for Jesus. That's what I want to preach about today. Now, I want you to look at 2 Timothy chapter number 1 and understand what's happening in the passage. Paul is speaking to one of his preacher boys, a young man that he led to Christ, who's now going to be pastoring the church of Ephesus, and he's trying to encourage Timothy. Timothy's a young man, and he's telling him uh, several things in this passage, but I want you to notice one thing particularly that he says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 3. I thank God, whom I serve for my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. Notice these next couple of verses. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee. So he says, you've got a real faith. You've, you're genuinely saved, I know you are, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling." Now, I want you to notice here in verse 6, he says, stir up the gift of God. He's kind of saying, don't be apathetic. In verse 7, he says, uh, God has not given you the spirit of fear. Don't be afraid. And then in verse, nine, he, uh, verse 8, he says, don't be ashamed. And so he's encouraging Timothy with these thoughts. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Uh, don't be uh, apathetic. But what does he say in verse 6 here that we need to get to is, is he says there that thou stir up the gift of God. Stir up the gift of God. What does stir up mean? Now, I know we think of, you know, stirring something like this, but the word stir up in the Bible here literally means to rekindle. It means to rekindle. It means the flame was out and you sparked it again. That's what it's talking about. And uh, so it's the opposite of quenching. It's the opposite of extinguishing. It means to relight, to rekindle something. So Paul is not doubting Timothy's faith. He says, look, I know you're saved, Timothy. I, I believe firmly that a real true faith abides in your heart and that you know Christ as Savior. But you know what you got to do, Timothy? You got to get some action behind that faith. You need to stir up the gift that is in thee, the gift that God gave you to be able to do the work. Stir it up. So the spark has been lost, but it's time to relight the flame. I want to pray, and we're going to talk about how to keep the fire burning for Jesus. Father, I pray that you bless our next few minutes in church today. <clears throat> Help us now to quiet our own hearts and minds and consider the message today to get what we need. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you do not know where to go tomorrow for a good fireworks show, I recommend Cerritos Avenue right behind the church. During COVID on July 4th, when people were not going out to, to fireworks shows, we walked outside the door of our house thinking we were in Fallujah or something, like it was some, some war zone. We're walking out and it's like, Oh my soul, you know, it was, kind of, it was kind of cool until someone like missed on the fireworks and they started shooting down our street towards our house. That wasn't cool. But we were walking outside and I mean our neighbors, I, they, they, they must have some money in reserve because there were thousands of dollars worth of, worth of fireworks. I mean the big ones that go up super high and explode and, and land everywhere. I mean, we, we had 
a full show. It was pretty impressive. Pretty impressive that we had our own personal fireworks show. But again, for some reason, not sure why we hear them all year long. But if you're thinking about fireworks with me today, and of course, July 4th is, uh, is known for the, the fireworks, right? If you think about a firework with me, what does it do? There's a flash, there's a bang, there's a lot of noise, and then it's gone. There's a flash, there's a bang, there's a lot of noise, and then it's gone. That's what a firework does. And you know what I've seen in my Christian life, being involved in church for uh, quite a, a while now? I've seen a lot of Christians do the exact same thing. I mean, do the exact same thing. The, the initial excitement of salvation, there's the flash. It's exciting. All right, the lights are beautiful to see. And for some people, they get excited at salvation. Then there is the thrill of serving God in the church. There's a lot of talk. There's a lot of service. There's a lot of, you know, I, I just love church, and I just love God, and I just love Couldn't imagine being in another place. But then eventually, it all stops, and these people are gone. And you think, well, why did that happen? They're nowhere to be found. They dropped out. And what I, what I think happens a lot of times is that there's the initial burst of excitement at salvation, and then you begin serving God, and you're growing, and then there's excitement, there's excitement, there's excitement, but eventually, just like with everything else in life, there comes a point where you plateau. There comes a point where not everything is super exciting anymore. And so what do a lot of Christians do? They go searching for excitement. They go searching for something else that is exciting to them. So all of a sudden, now i got to have new music. All of a sudden, now i got to have a new church. All of a sudden, now i got to have a new Bible. All of a sudden, now i got to have a new spouse. Now i got to have a new this and a new that. And, and we're looking for something novel. We're looking for something exciting. Because why? Because the spark has died out. Because we were all excited for a long time, and now it's the church isn't feeding me. Now, you know, the church that fed you, the church you got saved at, the church that was helping you, now all of a sudden the church isn't feeding you and the church isn't good for you. And, and I see this happen not just in our church, all over the place. But can I remind you, we are not called to be fireworks. We are called to be lights. A light that stays on. A candle, not a Roman candle. A candle, not one that just shoots off and then it's all done. We're supposed to stay lit for Jesus Christ. To stay on fire for Jesus Christ. Now, I know that as human beings, we are, ex we are wired for excitement. We are wired to get excited. And then after a while, the very thing that excites us bores us. You think about that, you know, for video games, when you were a kid, if you played video games, oh, this is the best video game, I'll never get tired of this. Uh, two weeks later, two weeks later, I'm done, you know, and we're, we're wired to be excited and then to lose that excitement, and that's, our, our, our culture is the same way. Think about the 70s, some of you were alive in the 70s. I was not alive in the 70s, I was alive in 1984, okay, and, uh, and, and that's when I was born, but uh, if you think about the, the 70s, everything was, you know, a, a certain way, and, and then the 80s came and it was the big hair, and it was the dressing with, with really bright colors, and then the, then the 90s come and it was, it was a different look altogether. It just seems like every decade there's a new fad, there's a new fashion, there's new haircuts, there's new style, there's the bell-bottom pants in the 70s, which I know some of y'all wore, and then there's there's the 80s, you know, and uh, then it was the 90s with the ex exceptionally baggy pants. And, the, you know, and it just goes through, and we're constantly looking for something new, looking for something new. But if we're not careful in the Christian life, that could be a dangerous thing. Now look, you ought to be looking for new stuff in the Bible, uh, not, not as in like new revelations of God, but you ought to be going back to the Bible to get something new every day for yourself. But this book doesn't change. 
And so if you're constantly looking for something new and you're constantly looking for something exciting, I tell you what, reading the Bible for the 40th time in a row may not seem exciting to you. It does to me, but, but maybe for some people it's not exciting. I've read this chapter before. I've got all there is to get out of there. I beg to differ. So why does this happen? Why does it seem like we go up, we're all excited, and then people are gone? It's because we hit a spiritual plateau. There comes a point where Christianity isn't new anymore. And for some of you that have just been in our church, there's several of you that have just gotten saved over the past year, and you've been in our church for just a short amount of time, or maybe you've been away from God, and now finally you're coming back, and what's going to happen is this, you're going to get in, you're going to be excited, you're going to want to be involved, you're going to read your Bible, you're going to pray, you may even go soul winning, which is a great thing to do, by the way, during the summertime, I'd encourage you to do that, and you're going to be involved in different things, but there's going to come a time where the newness wears off. And where the excitement that you once had, where it was like, I can't wait to go to church, and I want to stay after church, and I just love everything about God. There's going to come a time where that newness wears off a little bit. And maybe you've been growing and growing and growing, and then you just hit a plateau where it seems like you're not growing anymore. What do you do in that time? What you do then is so important and so crucial. By the way, can I just say, the church's job is not to entertain you. Don't come to church thinking it's the church's job to entertain us. And that's why a lot of people go to churches that have, you know, the rock bands and, and, and the drum sets and, and the production of like this whole thing is because really they just want to be entertained. But that's not the church's job. You know what the church's job is? The church's job is to love you. The church's job is to disciple you, make you more of a follower of Christ. The church's job is to support you, to fellowship with you, to provide you opportunities to serve and to feed you from the word of God. That's what we're going to do at church. And I hope occasionally you may find it entertaining too. But that's what the job is. So, so how do we keep from plateauing? How do we keep growing? How do we keep the fire burning? Now, I will say I don't know of any precise scripture passage that deals with hitting a plateau. But I do know that it's a problem. And if there's a problem, then the Bible has a solution. And so I want to talk about that today. And if you've been here on on a Wednesday nights, and we've been dealing with studying the Word of God, we talked about a different type of Bible study called a biographical study, where you can study a person's life. And what I want to do this morning is I want to take a couple people out of the Bible, and I want to just give you one thought regarding that person as to why I believe that person stayed on fire for God. Now, uh, this is something that we're going to look at in the Bible here with some examples. But when I think of people that were in the Bible that stayed on fire, that stayed burning for Jesus, several names come to mind. David comes to mind. Did David make mistakes? Yes. But have you read Psalms? That man was on fire for God all the way through his life. Couple missteps, yes. I, I think of Paul. When you read Paul's life, you don't get the sense that Paul ever took a day off. You get the sense that Paul was all in, all out, all the time for Jesus, burning, shining light for God. Also, John the Baptist, who it literally says about him that he was a burning, shining light. But uh, I, I get that sense about John the Baptist. I also get that sense about Mary of Bethany. Mary, a someone that was just always on fire for God. So, you know, we can talk about different people in the Bible, but even Peter, think about Peter. Before we get into the thoughts here, Peter, Jesus is crucified. Peter says, I go fishing. He's like, I'm done. And, and even Peter, Jesus had to go get Peter and, 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 and encourage him to get back in the fight. But there were some people that just never lost it. 
They just had that fire for God all through their life. So if we can look at these biographies and sum them up, what traits can we find in these people that, that kept their hearts burning for God? Go to Psalm 40, if you would. And I will not be super lengthy this morning. I've got several points, but they're quick. Psalm 40 in your Bibles. And I want to talk about David. I want to talk about David. What is one thing, if we could pinpoint in David's life, why was David just always seemed to be on fire for God? We could list 10 things. We could list 10 things, but I want to pinpoint one for you as to, a, as to a way that you can keep the spiritual fire burning in your heart for God. This is an essential, okay? This is an essential. You got to have this. Now, now, first of all, the first essential is salvation, right? You're not going to stay on fire for God unless you've been saved. But here's the first one. Are you ready? Look at Psalm chapter 40, verse 1. Psalm 40, verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and, brought, and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of the horrible pit. Out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear, and shall trust in the Lord. You know what I see in the book of Psalms? What, does a, what is a psalm? A psalm is a song. And I want to say to you today, if you want to keep the spiritual fire burning in your heart for Jesus Christ, there, it requires, there must be singing. There must be a song in the heart. Singing is essential. David said that when he got saved, when God brought him up out of this pit, he put a new song in my mouth. And the song is about praise unto our God. Many shall see that song in his life and fear and shall trust in the Lord. But look, if you would, at verse, chapter 42, just right across the page there. Verse 1, David says, as the heart or the deer panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? How do you get that? Look at verse 8. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me, and my prayer unto the God of my life. The last verse I want you to see here is chapter 43, verse 4. It says, Then will I go unto the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God. David was a musician. David was a songwriter. David was the only man in the Bible that was called sweet. Do you know that? In, in 2 Samuel, it says that David was the sweet psalmist of Israel. He was the songwriter. In fact, he wrote the songbook for the children of Israel. The psalms that you read here, David wrote the majority of them because he knew and he, he had a song in his heart for God. And I believe that is a major reason why David lived for God. Look, you, you, can, you can get into the entertainment of what this world has to offer and the singing and the songs and the music, but it will do nothing for you spiritually. It will do nothing for you spiritually. Look, I, I, I get it. There are some great singers out there, and they have amazing voices. Okay, how much better would it be if they used it for God? Do you think they, that God gave them those voices so they could sing about dancing, so they could sing about drinking, so they could sing about uh, being immoral, so they could sing about all this other stuff? No, God gave them those voices to use to encourage the people of God. The greatest singer I have ever heard in my life is actually a gospel singer. And I tell you, I'm thankful that some people use that voice for God. Now you may say, well, pastor, I don't have the voice. Do you have ears? Because you ought to be putting good music into your ears. If you're a musician, if you play the piano, you play guitar, you play the jug, whatever you play, you know, I don't know. If you can play anything, do you play it for God? Have you ever played your musical instrument for the Lord? Ever done that? Uh, you know, go sit down at the piano and play a song and say, I'm going to give it all I've got, and I'm going to sing, and I'm going to play this for God. And I'm going to play the trumpet, I'm going to play the violin, and maybe you have to play the radio because that's all you can play. But it, whatever you've got, why don't you play it for God? 
Why don't you get some music in your life that is going to lift you up spiritually, that's going to help you spiritually. It's not going to depress you. It's not going to talk about your problems and your fears and your worries. No, it's going to talk about Jesus. Get some, look, I love the hymn book. Why? Because those hymns make you think. They make you think. And when you look at those hymns, there's doctrine in there. And you're reading it and you're seeing it and you're like, man, that's good stuff. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to the songbook during a dark time or during a difficult time and opened up the songbook and found a song like Never Alone. No, never alone. No, no, never alone. Or, or you know, uh, uh, turn your eyes upon Jesus or uh, whatever it may be, comfort. Uh, the comforter is come. And whatever you need, God has a song for it. And if you want to keep the fire burning, I tell you, sometimes I'm sitting here in church and I'll hear specials or I'll, I'll just be listening to people singing and, and my heart's just on fire. I don't know about you, but I get in the car, and I've got good Christian music in my car. I know it's hard to find, but we've got a, 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 a bookstore we're going to be reopening again soon, and we're going to, I'm, I'll try to give you some uh, uh, examples of where to find good music, and I'll sit there and listen to some music about getting saved, about serving Jesus, and my heart, I'll have tears in my eyes, put my sunglasses on so nobody can tell, and I tell you, God just works in my heart, and he reignites a fire in me. And if you want to stay on fire for God, that's gonna, it's going to take that. Your flesh wants songs that entertain you, but your soul needs songs that feed you. That's the truth. I love how Brother Delgado often sings a song, God's been good in my life. I've been blessed beyond my wildest dreams when I go to sleep each night. I, I love that song. It says in the second verse there that I've had more gains than losses. I've known more joy than hurt as his grace falls down upon me undeserved. That's good stuff. That'll get you going right there. You need music. You need music that makes you think, that lifts your heart to God. You need music that reminds you of truth from the Bible. I see a way of keeping our hearts on fire for God is good singing. Singing. But I want to show you another thing. I want you to go to Acts chapter 22. Acts chapter 22. You with me this morning? Okay, Acts 22. Preaching on spiritual fireworks. It's okay to say amen every once in a while. Acts chapter 22. We're going to talk about Paul for a minute. Paul. What do I see in Paul's life? If we could pinpoint something out of David's life that kept David on fire for God, I think there's several things, but for sure one of them was the song that David had in his heart. But what about the Apostle Paul? What can we see from Paul that kept the fire burning in Paul's heart? I want you to look here at Acts chapter 22, verse number 7. Here's Paul standing in front of a council. He says, I, and he's reliving his testimony. And I fell unto the ground and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. And they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, Arise and go into Damascus, and there it shall be told thee of all things which are appointed for thee to do. And when I could not see for the glory of that light being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came into Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there, came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul. I love that. Ananias went to the murderer and called him brother because God told him to. Brother Saul, receive thy sight. And the same hour I looked up upon him. And he said, the God of our fathers hath chosen thee that thou shouldest know his will and see that just one, which is Jesus, and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. Look at verse 15. For thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. If I'm saying here, what do I see in David's life that kept him on fire for God? One thing I could pinpoint is the song in his heart, his singing. But if I could show you something out of Paul here, I would think the word would be sharing. 
sharing. Do you notice, in the, if you've read through uh, Acts, you'll see that Saul, or Paul, shared his testimony several times. In fact, it is, it is seen three times in the book of Acts of Paul sharing his full testimony. If you notice, you'll see in their verses where Paul says things like, I am void, my conscience is void of offense toward men. I am, I am free from the blood of all men. And what he's saying is that I have been making it known everywhere I go about Jesus Christ. I have been telling everybody I can about my salvation experience and how they can have it. And if you read uh, Paul's epistles 70 times, 70 times Paul used in his epistles the word gospel. In fact, it was Paul in 1 Corinthians who gave us the definition of what the gospel is. And here we see a man who was sharing the gospel. And I think that is a great way to keep the fire burning. How can, how can we have a fire for God if we're not soul winning? And we think when I get a fire for God, then I'll go soul winning. But that's never how it works. You always have to put the action in before the feeling comes. And that's what Paul did. He shared his testimony everywhere. He was about the business of souls. And I want to encourage you today. If maybe there's something lacking in your spiritual life and you're feeling like there's some death in you, like, like th that excitement that there once had is dying down and the candle's becoming dim, I would encourage you to share your faith with somebody else. Because there is nothing that gets your fire going like seeing somebody saved. Nothing. Last week, I, I knocked on a door a week ago on a Saturday, and I had, I had a great visit with two people, and last Sunday, they came to church. Can I tell you something, what that did to me? It fired me up to go back out. I want to keep going. Why? Because there are people out there that want the gospel. There are people out there that want a church like ours, and they need somebody like us to be excited and go tell them. That's what Paul did. Nothing keeps the fire burning in your heart like seeing someone come to church or someone get saved. When I was a teenager, I'd come back from Bible college. I was probably 19 years of age. And I came back and I was working in Illinois on the bus route. And, uh, and we went to this, this huge trailer park that was in Corona, Illinois. I think that's actually the town right now where Dave Murphy lives, the previous pastor. And uh, I went there and I, and I went to a, a, a house of a, of a kid who'd come to church. And I knocked on the door and the door opened up and there was a lady inside. And, and I said, hey, I'm here to visit. I'm from, you know, First Baptist Church, Geneseo, here to visit. And and everything, and I walked in, and the mom was sitting, uh, right when you walked in, there was, there was a, a chair there where she was watching TV, and her name was, was Chrissy. And uh, I, I remember I walked into the house, and I said, hey, and I introduced myself, and, and I invited them to church and everything. And we got to talking, and I said, and I had, a, I had a partner with me, and I said, Chrissy, can I ask you a question? I said, you know, I know your kids come to church, but if you were to die today, can I just ask you, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? Are you 100% sure that you'd go to heaven when you die? And she said, I, I don't know. I'm not sure at all. And I said, look, I have a Bible with me. If you'd like to know, I would love to show you what God says. You got to know to go to heaven. And she said, yeah, I'd like to know. And so I knelt down right inside the door. The door was uh, closed, the door behind me, and I had a, a partner there. And I knelt down right inside, right by the chair, and I got my New Testament out. I go to point one. You know, I go to point two. I'm, in, I'm, I'm, I'm on track. You know, I know where I'm going. I know what I'm doing. I get to point three, and I'm talking about for God, but God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, and, and, and going through the, the, the story of the cross there, and I had really gone through it a lot, and then at that moment, I hear footsteps, and they, weren't, they didn't sound like human footsteps. It sounded like a bear was coming up the steps. I mean, it was boom, boom, boom. And you can't hear it on the concrete, but you can hear this. And uh, I, I just coming up the stairs, and I was like, what is this? And she said, oh, my husband's home. And I said, okay. And she goes, yeah, he just got out of prison. And I thought, he's about to go back when he sees me in here. You know, <laughs> you know. And, uh, 
And so the door opens, and I'm kneeling down with my Bible right beside Chrissy, and I look back, and I look up. 6'5", 6'4", probably 325 pounds, big man, big man. And a blonde hair, red face, big guy. And he comes walking in, and he walks past me, looks at me. He goes over to the kitchen. And I don't know if it was like training that I had in Bible college, or I don't know if it was just fear or stupidity or the Spirit of God. I, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not saying the Spirit of God. I'm not saying that at all. But uh, I don't know why I did it. But I was sitting there next to him, next to Chrissy, and I was showing her in the Bible. And all of a sudden, I just had this 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 thing come over me. I was like, I got to say something. He's going to murder me. He's just going to walk over and just wrap me up in a headlock and I'm going to be dead. And so I heard him walking back over after he had put his stuff down. And I said, what's your husband's name? She said, Heath. Heath. That sounds like a murderer's name. Heath. And I was like, man, I'm going to get killed by a guy named Heath. And so I'm kneeling there and I turn around. I'm 19. He's 19 feet tall. You know, he's huge. And I turn around and I said, Heath, my name's Eli, I'm from church, I'm showing your wife how she can know for sure she's going to heaven, get over here and let me show you too. And I turned back around, and I was like, the knife shall enter in my back in .2 seconds. And I look at him, and he goes, absolutely. And he walked over, and I was like, really? <laughs> you don't want to kill me? And uh, so he walked over, and I said, all right, Heath, I'm going back to square one. Chrissy, just stay with me. And I showed them the gospel. Heath is like, oh, I need this so badly. And he's praying and he's crying out to God. And I tell you, that was so many years ago. But it, I'll never forget it. It lit my fire for soul winning. Just to see that there are stories, that there are people out there. And he began saying, hey man, I just got out of prison. I'm like, yeah, I heard, you know. And uh, I just did this, this, and I really needed this. I really needed a change in my life. And I was so thankful. I don't know, you know, just the, the boldness there but, but that God gave me. But that story, every time I think about it, lights my fire. I want to encourage you. You say, I want to stay on fire for God. I don't want to lose it, Pastor. I don't want to be in church excited and then out. You need to get good singing in your life, but you need to begin sharing the gospel. Sharing the gospel. I want to show you another one. I only have two left. I'll go quickly. Go, go back to the book of Luke, if you would. We'll stay in the book of Luke till the end. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. I want to talk about John the Baptist for just a second. David had a song in his heart. Paul constantly sharing the gospel. I wonder at work, does anyone even know you're a Christian? Does anyone even know you go to church? And maybe you hadn't had the opportunity yet, but I would encourage you, share your faith. Share the gospel. You will find, look, some people will not want it. And you know how you're going to know they don't want it? They'll tell you. <laughs> but you know what? There will be people that will open up to you and they will say, boy, I'm so glad you said this to me. Thank you so much for inviting. You will hear that if you keep sharing. And then I want you to see from John the Baptist. Look at chapter 1, verse 13. But the angels, in Luke 1, 13, but the angel said unto him, fear not, Zacharias. This is the prophecy that John would be born. For thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son. And thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness. And many shall rejoice at his birth. 
For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb, and many of the children of Israel shall turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. What do we know about John the Baptist? He was set apart from birth. He was fulfilling prophecy from Malachi chapter 4, verse 6. He was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He was destined to be great in the sight of the Lord. He, why? Because he knew he had a purpose and he had a singular focus. And what I want to say is another way for us to keep the fire burning is not just singing, not just sharing, but also serving. Serving. John the Baptist knew why he was on this earth. He knew he had one purpose, and that was to prepare the way of Jesus Christ. And from his birth, he was serving Christ. From the very beginning, he was serving Christ. You know, the Bible says in John 5, 35, Jesus talking about John the Baptist, said he was a burning and shining light. He was a burning and shining light, and you were willing for a season to rejoice in that light. And so his whole life, John was just on fire for God. He knew his job. That was his focus. And what I want to tell you is that you have, a, you have a job too. And if God has given you a job and God has given you spiritual gifts to use in the church and God has given you a purpose and you're not fulfilling it, how do you expect to stay on fire for God? You need to do what God has created you to do and serve him. There was a great violinist, many of you may know, Niccolo Paganini. And uh, Paganini wrote several classical pieces, but when he died, he left his, his incredible violin that he owned, he left it to Genoa, the city of his birth. But the condition that he said is, I'm going to leave it to the city on the condition that no one ever plays that instrument. And the thing is, <clears throat> it was an unfortunate condition because wood is peculiar. And as long as you use and handle that wood on that instrument, it doesn't show a lot of wear. But as soon as that violin or that wood is discarded, it begins to decay. And that exquisite, beautiful violin that has such a beautiful tone to it has become worm-eaten in this case that it's sitting in. Because, and it's valueless except as a relic, because it wasn't used. And you know, it's, it's, a, it's a reminder to us that life without service to God and service to others loses its meaning. If we're not serving God and serving others, our life will lose meaning. Why is it that people say life is meaningless? Because they haven't discovered the joy of serving God. They haven't discovered the joy of serving other people. And that's why you were created, to serve. God left you here after salvation because he has a job for you. You know what? Serving God feels good. It does. It feels good. It's not the same as going to work and getting a paycheck. Like there's a different type of joy when you serve God and you don't get a paycheck here, but you're laying it up in the bank of heaven. And it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful feeling to know that you're serving God. You can't be on fire for God and sit still in a pew. You got to be serving God. I love that John didn't get distracted. I love that he didn't allow the shiny things in the world to dim his light. And that's the truth. Sin will rob you of your joy. Sin will rob you of that light. Sin will rob you of that excitement for God. It throws water in what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. If you're going to keep that fire burning for Jesus all year long, there's going to need to be a song in your heart. There's going to need to be you sharing your your testimony and sharing the gospel. You're going to need to get busy serving. And last, I'd like you to go to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, and we'll close. Luke chapter 10. You know the story. I want to talk to you about Mary of Bethany. A lot of Marys in the Bible. 
Mary the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, Mary of Bethany. Mary of Bethany was the sister of Martha and Lazarus. She's mentioned three times in scripture, and I don't even know if she ever says a word. I think in John chapter 11 she says something to Jesus. But the other two scriptures, she doesn't say much. There's not a lot of words recorded by this dear lady. But can I tell you something? In every passage that Mary of Bethany is, is uh, mentioned, she is completely in love with Jesus. Not a weird love. I'm talking about she, loved, she just loved God. She loved him. Now look at Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now it came to pass, as they went, that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. So Martha was serving. She was serving Jesus, but she was missing something. And because she was missing something, she became bitter. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. What was Mary doing? It says in verse 39, she was sitting at Jesus' feet. So how do I keep the fire burning? Well, there needs to be some singing. There needs to be some, some sharing. There needs to be some serving. And lastly, there needs to be some sitting. Some sitting. Look what was happening here. Mary was serving instead of sitting. Uh, Martha, uh, 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 Martha was serving instead of sitting. Now the problem is this. If you are serving, but you haven't been sitting with Christ, you'll burn out. You'll burn out. And here's Martha. She's doing something right. She's trying to serve God, but that was the problem. Can you imagine serving God being the problem? But for some people, it becomes the problem because they're serving without ever sitting. They're serving God without ever being with God. And here he was in their presence. He would be going, the dishes will wait, Martha. You can do that stuff later. It's time to sit with Jesus. And there comes times every day in your life where it is time to sit with Jesus. And yes, you want to get out and you want to serve him. But before you ever serve, you need to sit. And if you have not sat, you shouldn't be serving. You need to be sitting with Christ and spending time with him and loving him and listening to his word like Mary was. And then you know what? Then there's time to serve. Then there's time to do what you ought to do. But if you get those things backwards, you'll burn out. Your fire will go out and you will be out of here. You'll be out of church. You'll get so mad about church and how they use and abuse and all this kind of stuff. I'm not mad at you about it. I'm saying I see this often and people get so burned out. And I always ask myself, when someone gets burned out and leaves church, how was their walk with God before that happened? Because probably what happened is this. They started out serving. They're fervent for God. They were reading their Bible. They were praying. They were walking with Jesus. And then work and church ministry got so much. And they became so busy that one thing started crowding out the other. And they thought, you know what? I can get by this week without it. And it goes on and on and on. till there's no more even a memory of a faithful, consistent walk with God. And the fire is just flickering. And we begin to get bitter. And we begin to look at other people and say, hey, why is he doing this? Why are they doing this? God, don't you even care? Don't you see me? And Martha's problem was that she needed to be sitting with Christ. And then she could serve. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are careful. You're full of care because you're not being in my presence. Instead, you're trying to do all this work for me. 
Does God like sacrifice better than obedience? No, he doesn't. He wants obedience more than sacrifice. He says it several times in scripture. And so what he's really saying there is, Martha, you have my presence here. Come spend time with me. And then as you're spending time with Christ and you're hearing his word, your heart burns within you and that drives you to serve him. But what happens so often is we serve God because we want to, and, you've got a, and we have a good heart about it. We really want to serve God for the right reasons. But there's no strength underneath it. There's no foundation underneath it. And eventually we crumble. Crumble. Everybody in here that has served in ministry for a long time, you know exactly what I'm talking about because it's happened to every one of us. Where you get to a point where you're like, if I continue doing this, I'm done. If I continue doing this, I can't keep going. And so what you need to do before that runs out, maybe you need to step down from some ministries. That, that may be the right thing to do. But you need to go back to the feet of Jesus. And you need to sit down before him and say, I'm here to hear your word for me. I'm not here to get a message to teach. I'm here to be in the presence of my Savior. That's what we need. I get so sick of hearing people talk about falling out of love. Oh, I just fell out of love. What does that even mean? It means that they used to put work into their relationship, but they're tired of trying. That's what it means. And you have got to get up and keep going for Jesus even when it's hard. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I want to keep my heart on fire for God. And that's why I have good singing in my life. I'm not out there listening to Led Zeppelin this week, okay? Or what, anything else. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm listening to some good music that's going to lift me up. I'm, out, I'm trying to share the gospel every week of my life. I'm trying to serve God to the best of my abilities, but the backdrop of that is sitting with Christ every single day. That's what we got to do. Many of you watch the Olympics. The Olympic torch, the lighting ceremony and all that, started in 1928. The relay for that torch lighting ceremony used to be 2,000 to 3,000 miles long. I don't know how long it is anymore, but great care has been taken to make sure that that flame does not go out. But if you've ever watched the lighting ceremony, there have been times where it went out. One time someone picked up a cigarette lighter and lit it, and man, people had a fit about that. Don't do your cigarette lighter, light the, the flame. And so what do they do? How do they get the flame lit? They go back to the source, and they have several other, uh, what are they called, torches that have been lit from the original source, and they keep those to relight the other source, to, to relight the other uh, torch as it keeps going. I tell you what, maybe you feel like your life's fading. Maybe you feel like spiritually, you know, the things are, are becoming less and less on fire for God. Can I encourage you? Go back to the source. Go back to the source. And the source is in the presence of Christ. That's where you're going to find it. That's where you're going to get it, is by sitting with Jesus Christ. The word of God, the Bible says, is like a fire. It sets our hearts on fire. And then that flame catches and spreads. I want to ask you this morning, are you still on fire for God? Are you still on fire for Jesus to serve him? And, and, and maybe you've never been. Maybe for you it's something you need and you want. I'd encourage you. If you've reached a spiritual plateau, maybe today you ought to come to an altar and pray, set my soul afire, Lord. Set my soul afire. Help me, please, to be on fire for you. And then maybe you're here today, and if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you, the first thing you need to get is you need to get God in your life. You need to have Jesus become your Savior by accepting him by faith as your Savior once and for all. But if you're here today 
and the fire is kind of flickering, let's get back to our time with God. Our Father, I thank you so much for Scripture and for the admonition. I thank you for the example of Mary, a godly lady who just got back to sitting with Jesus. Mm -hmm.